Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for being part of our program. We've got a special program this week in that we are running some of our best calls that we've had recently, kind of a best of show. And it's because this week was Thanksgiving and we were both on vacation and um, yeah. that's what we're doing. We could call it, we call it best of, you could call it recycled. Nah. Uh, maybe so. Did you, we, our producer went through and picked these out. Yes. Someone picked them out. It's not like in the old days when we ran a best of show and someone just picked something off the shelf. <laughs> the random. No, we spent uh, a considerable amount of time. And when I mean we, I'm talking about Pietra, um, going through and picking yeah. some of the very best. So these are not recycled. They're slightly used. Yes. And if you find one of the callers uninteresting, just keep skip forward a little further yeah. and you'll find someone else, I'm sure, completely interesting and fascinating and you'll be glad you so let's do it we're yeah. going to talk with jen in new york hi good afternoon jen are you in new york city i i am it's afternoon <laughs> yeah no i just um and happy new year to you have you been in the city the entire time uh in the last nine months ten months um pretty much yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a New York City public school teacher. Oh, oh, thank you. God bless you. Yes, it's um, what grade? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm a counselor, uh, and I so I'm, I interact with the students both in a workshop setting and um, interacting with them to get their individually to get college applications oh, out cool. and things like that. Thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you. Having uh, four children that have been in those stages, it is not an easy time. <laughs> Uh, I don't need to tell you that, right? And because it's there's so many unknowns, and in this environment, it's it's oh. especially difficult because no college visits, absolutely. right? Um, I feel ab- yeah, well, virtually, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The younger generation's got the brunt of this thing, yeah. I think. So but. anyway, thank you. Do you have a financial question, or do you want to continue to talk about this? <laughs> so I do have a I do. Um, so I started. Um, I'm in the midst of starting uh, an online. Is in the midst of all of this, <laughs> as if I didn't have more much to do, but um, decided that I was going to do this. And um, it's a drop shipping uh, e-commerce, uh, selling uh, inspirational cups, mugs, things like that. Um, and I have no experience in this at all. Like, like I said, my background is in education and science and counseling and what have you. So um, I am starting with no experience blank. And so this uh, particular company, um, and I won't incriminate the guilty, <laughs> that, that they could help me for thousands of dollars. And I said, no, 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 no I could do this myself. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I do need some help. Yeah, so you're right. you're um, I right. know that there are things, yeah, I, I know that there are some, some uh, companies that can help form LLCs and uh, can, can help with uh, the formation, but um, I, Think that they don't do um, helping with compliance and things like that, and of course tax information things like that. So I, I said, you know, let me call and well, let's find let's, out what, let's what just you find, guys might advise. Let's just find out how big of a of a building we're building before we actually dig into this. Have you sold anything yet? <laughs> no, actually, I haven't. You haven't um, I sold. Have, I have to put. You know, I have to. I actually have to open the store. Um, so I have my product. Okay. And um, but I, you know, so selling. I, I'm. Yeah, I haven't sold anything. I think Pat's Pat's <laughs> Pat's point is, like, we can we can spend time in one or two different areas right now, right? We can spend time on let's getting all the business stuff figured out. So it's all worked perfectly. We're hundred percent in compliance and everything. We've got all the, everything I's dotted T's crossed. We are nice, crystal clear. We're ready to go. Or we can spend time on, Let's see if I can't sell some stuff. <laughs> and let's actually see if this is viable first rather than, be, so, so 
You know, I've heard this term entrepreneurs. Scott and I talk about this all the time. People call themselves entrepreneurs, right? I've been called an entrepreneur. I don't call myself an entrepreneur. Um, but I have started more than, as Scott and I have together, have started more than a couple businesses. Some of them have been fabulously successful. Not all. <laughs> not all, right? Uh, not all, because that's just the nature of business. Um, mm-hmm. I would just, I wouldn't even form a partnership or an LLC or an S Corp or anything else. I would get a name to the business. I would get whatever the local business license needs. Yep. Um, and then I would actually track uh, on QuickBooks or Quicken all my expenses. Um, my guess is that you're not going to actually make any money for the first couple of years. Uh, Set aside maybe 30% for taxes and stuff. Just of your net profit. Of your net profit. So mm-hmm. I would just worry about a local business license, and then I would keep meticulous notes about expenses. How much were the cost of goods sold? What was the profit? What was the money in? What was the money out? And I wouldn't worry about any of the rest of that. In fact, I wouldn't worry about any of that until I had net profit of probably over $15,000. Yeah, and you're not manufacturing 15, a product, 000? right? 15000 net profit. And just as Scott okay. said, put 30% okay. aside of net profit. You're, and by the way, I hope, I hope you make hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars doing this. But I wouldn't worry about the stuff that doesn't matter right now. Um, and mm-hmm. all you really need to do is make sure you've got a great storefront, which is your website, that you actually understand what you're paying for and what you're selling and that there's a difference between the two, Right. And uh, how to run the business. And then once you start making money, then we'll, we'll discuss whether you should form an S-Corp or an LLC. Or I don't know if, I don't know if you've read the movie Shoe Dog, uh, the founder of Nike. Uh, it's you read, read the book yeah. or seen the movie? Is there both? Uh, is there a movie on it? Well, you said read, read the movie, which would be... <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? Read the book. Okay. I don't know if there's a movie or not. Read the book, Shoe Dog. On the, it, and the, the reason I like that book is because everyone knows Nike. Everyone owns some Nike apparel of some sort. And it, it, it just... It, I mean, it, kind of the fake it till you make it, right? It's like you just... You don't have all the answers mm-hmm. figured out. You just keep pushing forward and you're selling stuff that you're hoping you can deliver on your promises. And I mean, part of it is that's what happens when... Almost every successful business kind of starts scrappy. That's, yeah. I mean, we all come from somewhere. So I wouldn't worry about any of that. You don't need an outside firm. What you do need is. You don't need an outside firm. You need software. You need, you could do it in QuickBooks or Quicken. I don't know if you're familiar with either of those or some other online, you know, place where you can keep track you of use your ex- expenses. Depending on how much stuff you sell. I mean. You could, you could use Excel, Excel if you wanted. Yeah. yeah. But I, uh, the rest of the stuff, forget it. Okay. I wouldn't overcomplicate okay. it. Okay. I wouldn't. And just and because you're, you're you're selling products that someone else manufactured, right? On an online yes. platform, Etsy yes. or one of those, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. You're good. You're good. Yeah. 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 And right. you better Thank enjoy you. it. By Thank the way, so by the by, Jen, yep. you you better enjoy it because you're not doing this for money. If you were doing it for money, you'd actually go back to uh, what you do for a living. And roll outside yeah, of the public school district. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a side hustle, something that I I like making inspirational quotes and things like that, things that I read and what have you. And Well, the side hustle is not yeah, exactly is an inspiring quote, than... just to let you know the term side hustle. <laughs> but, 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 but Jen, because if you were doing it for money and you were my sister, I would say, well, maybe we should look at career college counseling outside the school districts, which is what your background is in, right? Yeah, um, I thought of that as well. Um, I definitely have thought of that as well uh, as a as a way of of, of now, know, now, as a potential. <laughs> she might actually well. she might actually really love teaching students and and. Oh no, that's what I said. That but I know for the you, side business <clears throat> for her side hustle, you better enjoy it because the likelihood of you making lots and lots of money on this. Is not much better opportunity for most people. They have a much better chance of making uh, higher income in their own career. Something that's right. That's right. And I don't want to come across as a demotivational coach at all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, good luck to you. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, good luck. Thanks, Thanks, gentlemen. If I was a demotivational coach, right? People come to me with their hopes and dreams. That's what this was. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, you don't need that crap. 
<laughs> just go sell something. Sounded- Actually, don't even sell something. Why don't you go do this instead? <laughs> it sounded a little bit like that, didn't it? Right. My yeah. my saying, my, my demotivational uh, coaching company is where dreams die daily. <laughs> daily. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we had a guy we worked with had a bunch of those posters. Like, oh, not, yeah. not the motivation ones. They were all demotivational. Yeah, <laughs> like with the ones with the pictures where it had the salmon swimming upstream and the bear was eating it. And, the, and the, An unfortunate day or something. No, the quote was, sometimes if a journey of a thousand miles ends very, very badly. <laughs> remember it. And then there was a there was a piece of wood. It's the bear eating the salmon. <laughs> the bear yeah. eating. Sometimes a journey of a thousand miles ends very, very badly. And then the ones with the... Uh, with a with a piece of wood and nails in it and a hammer coming down and all the nails were bent over and it said there's no end to the amount of damage we could do if we all work together. <laughs> you remember all these? Yeah, the, it was part of my Black Cloud training. That was my uh, demotivational companies. Continuing on here, talking with Dan. Dan, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, glad you joined us. Yep. Question I've got is we have recently inherited <clears throat> several hundred thousand dollars and we have a good mix of stocks and one indexed annuity we've held for 20 years and a seven-figure portfolio of real estate. Any suggestions in terms of how we should work with this roughly five hundred to six hundred thousand? Where'd the dollars come from? From my father's estate and about a fifth of it came from a small piece of farm ground he still held. The rest of it came from um, half of what's left, about 200 from fixed income, short-term bonds that he complained about the interest rates all the time, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other half came from some Vanguard mutual funds that he inherited from his father in 1975. <laughs> and have, is, have you liquidated everything? Is it what you're receiving is cash? That is accurate, yeah. Okay. okay. And we're typically a fan of that because, at least under current uh, uh, law, when you receive an asset when, uh, through inheritance, the asset is um, the, the tax basis is stepped up to the yep. fair market value, enables you to sell without any capital gains. Yep, and that's why he never liquidated that Vanguard because of that exact problem. And do you have any debt? Well, we have real estate debt, probably three hundred thousand on a portfolio of probably two million. And how old are you, Dan? Old. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm 35, but I'm 70. Thank you very much. He okay. lived to be 100, so who knows what's oh. going to happen in the future. And so tell me about your uh, – so you've got $2 million, You said you had $2 million in real estate and $300,000 of debt on that real estate. Tell me about the rest of the portfolio. How is it allocated? Um, well, we have uh, – well, in addition to those numbers, we have 500000 currently in investments through different mutual fund families that we've accumulated over the years, plural. That's about 550000 Roughly two million in real estate. The debt is fixed interest between three and seven eighths and four and a quarter. So that's not going to explode on me. I lived through the nineteen eighties um, when it did explode on people. And uh, we're just we just buy stuff we never sell. In the investments, the five hundred thousand, it is in inside IRAs or four hundred one ks or qualified plans. Actually, or it it's about a seventy five twenty five. So we've rapidly converted IRAs into Roth. Over the last five years, seventy-five percent Roth, twenty-five percent wow. traditional. And inside that five hundred thousand dollars, how much is stock versus hundred percent? Hundred percent stock. Yep. I kind of like your your. Uh, so if you looked at, and I assume that you're taking income off your real estate to live on. Is that we are somewhat? Yeah. Our, our our pensions, plural social securities, is between sixty-five and seventy-five, and. What, then, so ultimately, what would you like to see? These, so this is money you received from your father. You've already mm-hmm. done a good job saving for yourself. You're secure. You're retired. You've got retirement income. Now you've got these additional dollars. What would you like to see? Uh, wh- wh- where would you like to see these dollars go? How would you like to see them be beneficial to yourself, to somebody else? To like, what's the plan there? Well, I would like to set up everything we own personally are. In- two different revocable living trusts, but I would like to set up some kind of a trust maybe to benefit some pastoral um, situations. We could maybe finance a pastor going through seminary. That would interest me a lot. Um, Something for maybe our grandchildren, maybe incentivize so that they earn and or accredit 
um, X dollars in scholarships, and we would give them X dollars or Y dollars in funding for colleges. And how many? I remember how tough it was when I went to college because I worked my way through college, two jobs, and that was no fun. <laughs> um, and, and how many grandchildren do you have? There are five, and that's probably all they'll be. And and how much money is it? You said several hundred thousand. How many hundred thousand? In in the Iris and Roth? No, no, no. In your inheritance. In your inheritance. It's going to probably cap out at six hundred. So he, he, the reason I was asking, like, what what do you want to see these? You know, the ultimate purpose for these dollars. That's what's really going to drive the investment decision because you gave what. Two completely different type of scenarios here. One is some sort of program that will help finance a seminary, it sounds like, for upcoming pastors. And you might want to yeah, do that. Yeah, just a thought. I know. Yeah, well, well, that's, that's, hey, how, yep. that's how everything starts is the thought. And by the way, I, I, I like the way you're, you're thinking about these dollars because money's a funny thing. right? And, and if, our, our, if all of our focus is just let's see how much we can accumulate by the time we die, um, it's well, studies have showed that, that we have much more uh, uh, greater experiences with dollars. Um, I can't even speak today. <laughs> we, we, we derive much more pleasure out of experiences with our finances than we do with even just saving or spending on material things, such mm-hmm. as helping your grandkids through their college and having some structure in some sort of education trust where they got to have some skin in the game and you can have some direction there or helping f- fund something that's, that's important to you. You're uh, the ongoing of your religion essentially. Right. And uh-huh. so, so here's my, my first whack at it. Um, you can take all this money and actually uh, just buy equities with it. You add to your stock portfolio, but I would actually, um, and I've done this with many clients and our advisors have done this with many clients is to put an equivalent dollar amount based on a growth rate uh, on the age of the grandchildren, which means this. Let's say that you wanted each one of the grandchildren to have $75,000 at, re- at their uh, age of, of college uh, t- to help fund the college funds. You would actually put in a different amount based upon the age of each child and an assumed rate of return to get to that 75000 uh-huh. So you'd uh-huh. say, okay, the one-year-old, I'm going to put 40000 yep. The 15-year-old, I'm going to put 60000 right? So it's an okay. equivalent number at age 70. Now, you'll never hit it right on the head, but you're going to get pretty close. You're going to get pretty close. So I would start with that thesis on the five kids. Then I would probably, you, you asked for my advice, I would probably mm-hmm. pay off that debt at three and seven-eighths and four and a quarter, 100% okay. on the real estate. And then I would actually begin gifting into a charitable trust some of the appreciated assets in your stock holdings that is outside of a Roth or an IRA to the tune of whatever you're comfortable with your pastoral needs, um, maybe $10,000 a year. And, and what- you, yeah, you can, prob- you can probably find a program out there that is a tax-deductible program that can accomplish 90, 95% of what you're looking for. That, that's right. Yep. And, and yep. so okay. you can do it through your local church or parish or synagogue. And what happens is you're taking that highly appreciated asset and you're gifting that. You're not gifting cash. If you've listened mm-hmm. to the show any length of time, you know we're a fan of using a charitable, assets. Uh, appreciated assets in a charitable trust. In fact, isn't funny is I was looking at my charitable trust yesterday. And look, when you say charitable trust, it doesn't – it could be – $5,000. It could be 10000 It doesn't have to be hundreds of thousands And you're not talking about a family fa- foundation. You're no. talking about... You, no. You right. set them, but right. uh, Fidelity has them. Vanguard has them. Charles Schwab has them. They're donor-advised funds. They're donor-advised. Local community foundations have yeah. them. Uh, large uh, nonprofits have yeah. them. And the benefit of using those versus family foundations is they lack visibility for the nonprofits to look into. Okay. Um, well, they're just simple. They're, and they're simple. They're, and to, there's no additional tax that there is in family. Finance. So what you're going to find by paying off that debt, right? You're going to find that you have approximately an extra 100000 plus, or excuse me, $10,000 a year plus more income. No, my goodness. It'd be more than that. Probably okay. fifty dollars to $100,000 more. Depending income. on how it's Oh, the depending payments. upon the more payments are. Schedule. But this is oh, the yeah. cost of money alone, yeah. uh, which is going to be able to provide you uh, increased standard of living, um, if that's what you want. If that's what you want. Or 
just but that's that's how I would swing at it. And if you need okay. help figuring out the amount of dollars based upon the age of the grandchildren to to achieve a number, and then you're going to fund it using a five twenty nine plan. Sure, sure. So yep, what I'm we just we just yep. use three different techniques. Well, the five twenty nine plan that might not have the same restrictions that he would like, depending on how we. That's, that's you can you can weigh all these things. Is the simplicity of it and the low cost of the five twenty nines. Well, but but what, 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 oh, you mean like a match? Yeah. He said match. Yeah, yeah. the five twenty nines. But you can instill a match. You're the one that yeah, owns the five twenty nine plan. He, he's the one who right. You yeah. own the five twenty nine plan. You don't have yep. to. Uh, you know, at the end, the you funny, can change the beneficiary. You got one of the grandkids is not doing so well at age nineteen, let's say, and uh, more interested in car catalogs than college catalogs, and it, you can say you don't get any money. Yeah, or I'm only going to give you money if you do this or this or this. You know, you mm-hmm. come and visit me twice a week, and uh, that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> if that's, that's right. what, if you want your grandkids <laughs> to visit you twice a week. But, oh, yeah, that'd be okay, but that's, at this, when they're young. That's interesting. Yeah, not when they're 19. Um, right. But uh, what we just did is we used, to achieve the objective, we paid off debt. We used um, a, a tax strategy for both the 529 plans and for the your pastoral needs, which is, you know, to fund it, um, you know, ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And all of those would work. And then now your job is to get into the fine details of it. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, I appreciate it. That's how I approach it. I totally agree with that. Done it with, we've done it with multiple, multiple clients where they've received inheritances, and we figure out what the expected dollar amount will going to be at the time the child goes into college. Yeah, that's what I need. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I'll reach out. Thank you. you Thanks for listening to our show, by the way. And if you're listening to us by podcast, if you would be so kind as to rate the podcast, review. Review. Oh, we're not allowed to use rate. Are we allowed it's to called rate? review? It's 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 review. Everything's a review. Oh, okay. So review the podcast. <laughs> you could say like click somewhere to review or something. Yes. If you like it. If you don't, please don't bother. Yes. But actually, if you don't like you know, if you don't like the podcast, why are you listening to it? Uh, the Dan's talking about his inheritance. My father father passed away a year and a half ago, and. I, I inherited some money, no, nothing close to that dollar amount that uh, our previous caller had. And I'm being totally transparent here. Your right? father so, passed away. Yeah, a year and a half ago. Yeah. It took a long time, by the way. He did not have a trust, lived in the state of California, no trust. And his son probably mentioned it, I don't know, dozen, two dozen, three dozen. <sighs> you know, he was proud of me, but he, I was still a little kid. Like, what do I know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, there's still there's still a bit of that. Um, so, yeah, correct, yeah, because he did. Yeah, it was kind of interesting some of the. Anyway, but anyway, but my point is, it took almost a year for the estate to get settled, and I've had this these dollars sitting in an account, not because I, kn- I don't know how to invest them. I'm still trying to grapple with what I want to see these dollars accomplish. Like, do I want to just throw it in the rest of my cash and then kind of forget about it, or would like, do I want to have it? for my, my grandkids someday? Or do I want to have it for my nieces and nephews? Do I want to, whatever. Or do you want to have it for some interest that your father would have really loved, like hiking or Sierra Club or... And Scott's dad was an interesting guy because he was an urban hiker towards the end of his life. And so I went, I didn't know this. I knew Scott's dad well. And it's Scott Scott's father... Uh, is was a completely different person than Scott. Scott's highly organized, um, <laughs> right? Very meticulous. And your dad was the greatest guy in the world to hang out with because everything was an adventure. Everything was an adventure. But at the I, at his funeral service, his friend got up and talked about these urban hikes where they would walk from in Los Angeles for he did two from, days. He did that from the Watts Towers to the Century Tower, and it took him two days, right? They would like once a week do these uh, urban hikes. And he said the nice thing about when you're an old guy, like you don't have to worry about whatever neighborhood you're I mean, you're such an old man walking, like who's going to bother you? Is what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was an interesting character. And his friend was telling me at the service how they would walk for six hours and then spend the night in a hotel and wherever part of ho- the town right. they're in and get up the next day. And they called it urban hiking. Yeah, he would tell me one day, he took his, one of his grandkids, the grand, grandson was, I don't know, 19 or something. And they were going to ride the uh, 
LA's equivalent of the light rail subways for whatever the system is. <laughs> is that what we're getting in? Whatever he was going from that one was place. going to be the day's the adventure. Day. Oh, yeah, the day with the screen. For the 19 year old. Yeah, correct. How to and go. just to people watch. Uh, How to go. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it. But you bring up a good point. Maybe I should just look at something like that. But anyway, I was just being transparent. And and that's quite common when we inherit money from somewhere. We Oftentimes we want to say, like, what would honor them? Because there's emotion attached to it. Yeah, for sure. Which is which is an interesting thing, attaching emotion to a, a dollar. Although most people attach emotions to money. Yeah, strong emotions. Yes. We're taking a break, but we come back. We will continue with our Thanksgiving week best of show. These are some of our best calls. So stick around more for Allworth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. You are listening to our best of calls program as it's Thanksgiving week and we took some time off. So hope you're enjoying. Let's talk with Cecil. Cecil with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, Scott and Pat. How are you two doing? We're wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm well. Let's talk okay. money. All right. Uh, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little earlier in my career, and, um, and if you ask my age, it's 32. And uh, last week or the week before, I was talking with our workplace financial advisor, and um, you know, we had talked about how my goals for earlier retirement. And so with the market drop last year, I started putting more money in a brokerage fund, and in our most recent talk, he said, um, I wouldn't do that. I would increase your contribution to your 401k, start drawing down the brokerage fund and not contribute to that. Well, how does that make sense? If let's say I want to retire at 50 and I can't draw from the 401k. All right. So a couple of things going on there. Yeah. Uh, first of all, there are ways to get to the 401k without being 59 and a half, without any penalty. And, and just to, uh, do you work for a state municipality, nonprofit or a private company? I work for a nonprofit uh, healthcare system. Okay. So do you have a 401k or a 403b? I, I contribute to the 401k. Okay. All right. Thank you. And do you have a Roth option at work? We do. And uh, I when I joined, I had no idea of it. So I just went with the 401k because that's what I knew. Yes. And what's your approximate income? Uh, about 90000 Are you married? No. Uh, you, you live in uh, California? No, I live in Arlington, Virginia. Virginia. And do you plan on staying at, well, who knows where you'll be long-term? You're 30, who knows? 30, 32 yeah. years old. <laughs> I don't know where I'll be long-term. So how much are you, so so you were putting money both into your 401k and into your brokerage account. Um, yeah. how, how much were you saving approximately in each one of those prior to this advisor giving you a suggestion? Yeah, so I contribute 8% to my 401k. My company matches 5% of that. And then I max out a Roth IRA. And I was also putting $500 a month into a brokerage fund. And it's going into index funds. So I would, I would probably take that 500 bucks and put it into the Roth 401k option. So you've got 8% of your pay going into the pre-tax 401k? Yes. And so you think of it like that extra 500 bucks a month, just being able to throw it right into a, a Roth IRA, because that's kind of what it's like. It's a... and, and what the benefit of that is what, Scott, versus a brokerage account? Well, the brokerage account, you're going to end up paying capital gain tax, and you'll have some taxable dividends along the way. If it's on any growth in the Roth, it's called, all that growth can be tax free, and it the liquidity is not quite as good as the brokerage account, but it's, it's much, it, but it's pretty it's, it's pretty close. You can always okay. get out your contributions before um, having to tap your earnings, and your contributions will come out tax free, regardless so of your age. So you said to put take that 500 from the brokerage that I was funding and put it into a Roth 401k. Yeah, that's correct. And buy the same index funds. Oh, uh, that's a great idea, guys. 
I know. Thank you. <laughs> Had we been at your workplace advisor, that's what we do all day long. Because <laughs> I, I don't, I wouldn't want you to put more in the pre-tax because it doesn't have the same liquidity yeah, I mean, if you were as the making, Roth. If you were, if your income was double or something, then I'd say you're in a really high tax bracket. But you're, you're not probably not that high a tax bracket. You've got some going in pre-tax. You've got the Roth IRA. I, I, I love the concept of the Roth. Uh, do you own a home yet? I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Even better. And so, and you're, I assume you're concentrating on the debt in the home. Um, I, I mean, I'm making my monthly payments. I'm not making. She's 32. Money. I wouldn't to have a 30 year mortgage. It's fine. Yeah. And I just refinanced it down. So it, it's saving me a little bit a month and I might take that extra savings and probably pay it towards the principal. But I'm when you said you want to retire early, what is early to yeah, a 32 year old? Gosh, if you told me I could retire today, I would. Really? <laughs> and then do what? And yeah. do what? It's well, it's not. I, I'd say let's call it financial freedom and not retirement. Uh, okay. I want to do. Yeah, it's find something else that I wouldn't have to worry about the money. Okay. Yeah. That, well, okay. that's a very worthy goal. And are you on a thirty-year fixed rate mortgage or? I am. Yeah, pay yeah. pay extra to the principal. The sooner that gets paid off, the sooner you get to retire. Money not going out in retirement is exactly exactly the same as money yeah. coming in. Right, that's right. Right. So well, the, the, the less mortgage payment you've got, the less dollars you need saved. So Good I words. like that idea. So take the excess payment, put it against the principal in the house, and then uh, move the five hundred dollars from the brokerage into the Roth IR or the Roth four hundred one k. All right. All right. Into this today. Thank you. Do it today. All right. Appreciate. Don't the... put off till tomorrow. Call now. <laughs> no, boy. Appreciate the call. Oh, yeah, Thank you. Good. And moving on, talking with Robert. Robert, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Hey, um, I got a couple questions. Um, a little background first. I have a financial spreadsheet. I call it my retirement plan. That covers everything that I can think of. It runs out to the age of 100. And I lean towards a conservative nature, so most of the assumptions in it are, are conservative. Like what? Just and, as an example, like what's a growth assumption? What's an inflation assumption? Inflation, 3%. Uh, 401 growth, 2%. My Social Security gets decremented by 15% because of the number. Okay, you are received. conservative. So you're assuming that your retirement assets are going to lag inflation by 1%, yeah. or is that a 2% real return added on to that inflation number? No, sir. The the first. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. I would call it the yeah. doomsday spreadsheet. <laughs> quite frankly, Robert. <laughs> but no, he's probably thinking, "What if I'm a hundred? What if I'm on fixed income yes, the rest yes. of my life?" Right. Well, Continue. yeah. I, I um, since my premature retirement at the age of fifty-five, I spent a lot of time looking at my spreadsheet. Now you are retired. I am retired. Okay. Yes. So I guess, and my question is, in your opinion. Is my financial situation or my spreadsheet, my retirement plan, does it seem solid and appropriate enough to last 40 years? If what you're stating is you are assuming your portfolio is going to lag inflation by 1%, you're assuming that uh, Social Security is going to decline in real returns, real numbers by 15%, and you have enough dollars to last you to your age 100, I would say you are... Uh, I don't know how much more uh, we can increase probabilities of outcome. How much? How much money? Uh, how much as a percentage of your four hundred one k is in equities? Uh, not much anymore. I got a little. Uh, that's my problem. I think I'm getting too emotional. You know what? Here's the, here's the one of the challenge. How long have you been retired? Um, almost six years now. Okay, but when you think back to your working days, retirement was a thing in the future. You were saving money every month, kind of like putting wood on the wood pile, right? Every month you're right. saving money. Uh, you're busy working, so you've got a daytime thing that's keeping you busy. Uh, and your your account's growing just by the nature of you continuing to add to it. You suddenly move into retirement. One of the things is you've got plenty of time on your hands, right? So you've got plenty of time to click on and say, what's my account look like today? We're no longer adding to that wood pile. Now we're pulling the, the logs off, right? Each month we're taking some some money out. So we're not we're not having any growth any longer because unless the markets do something for us because we're having some sort of withdrawals and, and it can get a bit all consuming. And and frankly, the more you look at it, the more you study it, you it probably does not lead to better decisions. Yeah. How old are you today? 
I will be 61 in August. 61 years of age. Okay. Yeah. How much of your portfolio, you said you don't have much in equities. How much do you have in equities? I have, as of yesterday, I have 8%. Okay. And do you have any other weird asset class, gold or Dogecoin no. or something? And how much money uh, do you have saved for retirement? Uh, 1.4. Okay. So you've got 8% of, so approximately $110,000 in equities out of this 1.4%, correct? Correct. Okay. Did you know, going back to 1925, according to Ibbotson's, there's never been a 15-year period where equities, the broad stock market measured by the S&P 500 index, has not outperformed uh, bonds. And you're talking even if you bought in 1929 at the top of the market. So if you're 61 and you're trying to plan to live age 100, there's a huge chunk of your dollars that you're not even going to touch for 20 years. So that's exactly where I was going with this, Scott, is the, the, the problem is not the portfolio. It's you. It's you because of how you view the world. So you've got this bunker mentality, but you can get to the same place. And I've done this. Look, I'll tell this story with a, a client. They had more money than they were ever going to spend in their lifetime. They had sold a business and more money than they were ever going to spend in their lifetime. And I put them in a 50-50 portfolio, right? 50% stock, 50% bonds and cash. Exactly the opposite of kind of what happened with you. And he, the, the client and his wife kept pushing me to get more equities in the portfolio. And I said, you know, we can put more equities in the portfolio, but the reality is you're going to react negatively in that portfolio in a down market. And if you change the model or allocation anywhere in a down market, you've actually defeated yourself. He said, I know I might do that. What do we do about this? I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a third of your portfolio and we're going to put it in a separate account. We're going to take your IRA and we're going to move two thirds to an account that you will watch on a daily basis, which is fine. And I'm going to take a third of the account and I'm going to put it in this other account and we're going to go 100% stocks in this, 100% equities. You cannot ask me questions about it. We can't talk about it. We're going to pretend it doesn't exist. How long ago was this? Four years ago. Okay. And it's done great. Obviously. It's done great. And the reason we did that was to remove the psychological uh, barriers to the portfolio. I said, this money is going to be inherited by your children. So we don't care what it does on a day-to-day -day basis. We care what it's worth in 15, 20, 25 years now from now. Now with Robert, it might be, I care what this is worth when I'm 75. That's right. Or 80. Right. Or 80. So if you have to do it that way, do it that yes. way. If you were my older brother, I would be pounding you. to. I would just say, this is just stupid, but you're not my older brother and I've never met you. So I can't say that. Um, you can, don't worry. <laughs> so Robert, you know exactly what the answer is. You, you said you're your own worst enemy. Wasn't that the word you used? I, well, I didn't use that, but no. I think I'm becoming that. Yes. Okay. So this is, this is so classic. And you're, uh, was, uh, Jeremy Grantham said that the, the number one risk to investors is themselves, something along those lines. He's one of the famous uh, investors 100 years ago or whatever it was. The, the, the challenge is it's not easy being an investor because we are emotional humans and, and we're designed to protect ourselves from things that are scary. We, we, we run away from, from things that might hurt us. I mean, if the pandemic hasn't shown anything, it's that. Something that the death rate is very small on a kind of a global basis, but scared the scared everybody right i mean it's so we are designed by nature to to hide to protect ourselves to uh avoid any sort of any sort of risk and in, in when you invest you need to embrace some of that you need to be ex you need to be comfortable with some of the ups and downs that's why it's so hard to be an investor long scott term. i would i would argue the other fact that robert has exposed himself to more risk by not having Correct. equities in the portfolio by not what having more. What if inflation more? is 5% or 6%? Yeah, you in oh, an inflationary man. environment, you want to own the thing that causes the thing. You want to own equities in an inflationary environment. Or real estate. So let, let me ask, okay, that was one of my questions as well. I've got two rentals in California, 
And in my plan, I assume that I sell one of them when I'm 66, 67, and the other one when I'm 70. But given the real estate market today and the fact that real estate tends to be a good inflation hedge, should I should I sell it or should I not? Well, you know, it's classic. So you're thinking about selling it. Suddenly the asset price went way up in value, and now you're thinking about not. <laughs> Right? Yes, <laughs> so, right. I mean, I'm not going to, we're not going to answer that question, uh, what you should do in the next several and, years. And actually, I wouldn't estate. worry about it. I actually wouldn't, I wouldn't ha- even have it on my agenda if, to if, sell if a you property. Were 60, if you were planning on it at 66 or 67 and you were 65 today, would say, sell it now. Not that we, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. All we know is the real estate market's been on fire in much of the country and the opportunity to sell is just tremendous right but now. But if it pops up on your calendar at 65 and you say, this is the day I need to, you, you know, I, quite frankly, Robert, you would, you would benefit from some professional financial advice, mostly so that uh, you could blame or uh, <laughs> someone else <laughs> for anything. Well, well that's okay. helpful. I, I got a Okay. So, you know, I've had a few adult drinks and I did some self-reflection. And from a financial perspective, and I've been considering a financial advisor. But now, how do I know they can do better than me? And you don't. Will the will will the benefit outweigh the cost? That's right. How would I ever know? That's right. Well, first of all, I can tell you most financial advisors could do better than you, assuming that they can help guide you. Assuming that you'll take their and advice. And I'm convinced. And we're going to have to wrap here in just a moment, Rob. But I'm convinced. I've been doing this thirty years. Thirty. The greatest value that I have brought to clients over the years, typically families, typically, well, it's either a husband or wife, or it's someone who's been widowed or a single person. The greatest value I've added is keeping people from making mistakes from which they cannot recover. And that part of it is when the markets are going uh, unbelievably well, people want to buy more and buy at the wrong times. And when markets are going horrible, they have some, they want to run for the hills and sell out everything. And it's those times when they make decisions based in those periods of times, often they, they can do things that are irrevocable to their, their finances. So we need to wrap here, uh, Robert, but I, I, I will leave you with this. You should have no less than 35% of your portfolio in equities. No less, no less. How you do that, it's up to you. If you hire an advisor, they would actually probably push you to get 50% of the portfolio in equities. Because you have enough money that you could actually do distributions and never touch the equity side of the portfolio for 15 years easily. Yeah. Yeah. So you need at a minimum, if you want to take anything away from this call, it's I need to get at least a third of my portfolio in equities. Yeah, glad you called. Call. Yeah, you obviously done some good job uh, planning. He and reflected I, on over a couple adult beverages. <laughs> is what he said. Usually, you don't make the best decisions. <laughs> no, by the way, <laughs> we've always had a no alcohol policy in the office. Yeah, in part because I would not that I'd expect many of employees to be in by, taking advantage in the middle of the day. But that's the last thing I want to do is mix that up with uh, investing decisions. Yeah, and it's 19, it's not nineteen seventy two anymore, <laughs> which is why there's no I, alcohol. I keep in the, the scotch locked up in the uh, <laughs> like like it's. What they call those little things they used to kind of oh, the rolling in? Yeah, yeah, bar yeah. carts? Oh, my God. It's not like it's Mad Men. No. Let's talk now with Daryl. Daryl, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Scott and Pat. Thank you all for taking my call. Yes. I wish I had 30 minutes to talk to you <laughs> and just suck your brains. Uh, let me tell you a quick <laughs> intro. Of, uh, Thanks. I'm very, that sounds I'm really very exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm very high risk when it comes to investing. Uh, and I hope and pray that the kids are high risk. We have five children, which are grown now. The youngest being 27 years old. Uh, I grew up in the projects, very low income area. I'm not a, a college graduate or anything, but what I did when I graduated, I went right into the military, the Marine Corps, the very next day. And I retired, did my 20 there. And then I came out and went to the Postal Service, and I'm at 20 over 20 there. God bless you. So I'm, yeah, I think uh, I'm putting all my beings right there to, with the government, basically. So, uh, but my question is pertaining to our grandchildren. We have six of them, and I'm interested in what are some of the uh, investment programs that we, myself and my wife, can do for them. Uh, if you have any advice or insight on that, right? What is now. your? What are you trying to accomplish? 
my goal is for them when they're 25 years old or 30 is to have uh, a lot amount of money set aside for if they decide to go to school or open a business of that nature. So that's uh, growth income. And when, when you say, uh, is it primarily school or is it, um, or is it business? And at any point in time, would you like the ability to retrieve those dollars if you think that they were going to use them in a manner that isn't consistent with your beliefs? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. So, I mean, here's, so there's, there's, we can talk about some different avenues that you can use and then the pros and cons to that, right? One avenue Correct. is use what's called 529 plans. These are designed for education costs. The benefit of a 529 plan, inside of a 529 plan, you could be as aggressive or as conservative as you'd like. You control the dollars. You set the allocation. And you can set up six accounts for your six grandkids. You can have them be as aggressive as you'd like. You can control it. The, the beauty of these plans is the dollars grow tax deferred. And with the, if, when the money comes out and it's used for education expenses, room and boards included, trade schools are included, it, it, it comes out tax-free. So all the earnings are, are tax-free. And the, the benefit is, is you remain the owner of the account, not the child. So gotcha. if the child gets to 25, 22, 23, and you're like, you know, giving this kid 15 or 20 grand is not going to help them li their lives. It will actually possibly make their lives worse. You can change the beneficiary on that account to another grandchild, or you could withdraw the money yourself and pay taxes and penalties on there. So that is one option. It is the option that I have chosen for my own children. It is yeah, the option well. that Scott has chosen for. It is the option that we recommend to about 95% of all our clients. Now, here's a couple other avenues you can go. You can set up accounts that are what's called a Uniform Transfer to Minors Act or Uniform Gift to Minors Act. It's different states call it different things, but an ATMA or an UGMA. Which, by the way, was the predominant way of funding college education prior to the advent of the 529 20 plan. years ago or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Okay. With this, there's some benefits. This is a way that the money is set up in the kid's name. So you die or whatever, it can it, it remains in the kid's name. Uh, you'd have to set up six different accounts each for each grandchild. A certain amount of, of interest, 750 bucks a year or 800 bucks a year, I forget the exact number, is free from uh, any sort of income tax. And then it's uh, it's it's taxed after that, and if it gets too high, it's taxed at the parents' rates. But that applies to such a small percentage of the population; it's almost irrelevant uh, in this particular situation. Uh, uh, the challenge with that sort of structure, and again, you can invest it in anything you want. You could you could invest it in a in a bank account, or you can invest it in Tesla stock, and anywhere in between. the 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 downside to that is when the the child reaches age of maturity. Mm -hmm. the, the, those dollars are theirs regardless. So if they're more interested in, in cars than they are in college catalogs, they're probably going to take the money and, and buy in a car or something like that. And I remember when I was 20, a friend of mine all of a sudden shows up with a Carmen Ghia right back in the day. Volkswagen right. Carmen Ghia. For those young kids, you won't know what a Carmen Ghia is. But a Carmen Ghia, and this kid had nothing. And I'm like, where did you get this Carmen Ghia? He goes, well, I had this fund my parents had been saving for me. and I turned 21, here and, it is. And I got yeah. it. And he wrecked it three wow. weeks later. I thought that was classic. Um, he did. He did. Uh, so that's another avenue. And a third avenue is where... You just, you set up a, you, you, it's kind of a pain, but you set up six different accounts in your name okay. or you and your wife's name or your trust mm -hmm. name or however you hold your assets. And you just earmark them internally that the, the, I'm setting this up for Johnny and no kids named Johnny anymore, whatever. Kyle. <laughs> whatever the names are. And, Devin. And, and then you earmark them yourself. You're the one going to be responsible for any sort of, um, capital gains or, or dividends or interest that are paid out over that. Presumably you'd invest in something that's more growth oriented. So it wouldn't be very right. spend yeah. off much. And then you could, you could gift those assets to the child later. Like, Hey, by the way, I'd been saving up money. There's 10 grand that's in this account that I've got for you. And you could set up in your will or your trust such that if you die early, the, these dollars go into certain trusts to accomplish your objectives. All right. So we gave you all the choices and the, the, and the pros and cons. You want to use the 529 plan. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. you, you, that's all you okay. want to do. And what state are you in? 
I am in Missouri. And real quick, my son, he has three of the grandkids out in California. Mm-hmm. So I told him to go ahead and start teaching them about stocks and buying. So he set up accounts in um, uh, TD Ameritrade. Mm-hmm. And one, I told him to start teaching them right now. That's right. You know, about, and you know, of course, young people and kids' minds is all about gaming and techs and things of that nature. But I thought that would be a, a good idea for them to start. Yep. Yep. And so what you want to do is uh, just set these up. I don't know about the, the, the 529s are funny because each state is only allowed to have one. And so, but you and don't, some states give you a tax deduction. Some states don't. And you don't have to use the one that the state that That's you're right. actually resident. I'd like to see if you get some tax deduction for the state of Missouri. And if not, I'd use the state of Utah's uh, plan, which is the one that oh, okay. we, Utah. and I know Kansas definitely has that. Yeah. There. They, well, they all have them. The question mm-hmm. you want to see is if you get a deduction in the state of Missouri. And then if, if the money's not used for any sort of educational expenses whatsoever, worst case, you pay taxes and a 10% penalty on the gain. And it, and it comes back to you. But you can always rename another That's right. grandchild as a beneficiary. One kid doesn't turn out so well, and yeah. you're like, that's not going to help him. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we appreciate your service to the Marine Corps and uh, the U.S. Postal yeah. Service. Thanks, so. Daryl. Appreciate the call. We wish you well. So as we near the end of the year, um, as we do in my own family and we do with many of our clients is year end planning. Um, and you're like year end planning, of course, Christmas shopping, that sort of thing. And we talk financial planning, tax planning, uh, for the year. So, um, this is a great time for you to actually do it for yourself or to contact an advisor that you trust a fiduciary financial advisor and do a, either if you're getting ready for retirement or retirement ready assessment or some good year end planning, which is, you know, yeah, if I you're working with money? a good certified financial planner, someone who's a fiduciary advisor that is w- well grounded in all areas of finance. And because come December 31st, many of those opportunities that we could have available are will no longer be there. Granted, we don't have as many opportunities. Maybe we did years ago with, for taxes, but there still, still are. There still are. There's things like set up a solo K that has to be done yeah. before the end of the year. Charitable contribution. next year. Make sure your required minimum distribution is taking place yeah. correctly. There's lots of things there. So we encourage you to do that. Anyway, uh, that's all the time we have. So much great. So much appreciate you being part of our program. And we wish you a great rest of the weekend. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.